Roads Church podcast. Excited to connect with you. Cast builds your faith. Pitched and inspired. We're talking about meeting with God. So I want to jump right into the message. Everybody ready this morning? Uh, we love our Bibles. Come on, let's get them out. We love to go and buy the Bible. And uh, so let's get it open and see what God has to say to us. If you got them, open up to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33, looking at verse 7, Lord willing, seeing what he wants us to talk about today. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, the sermon notes are available for you as well. You can follow along and uh, get some notes from there. Note takers are world changers, world changers. All right, let's read in verse 7. It says, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people arose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshiped each man in his tent door. You'll need to know that, underline that. So the Lord spoke to Moses. That's important. The Lord spoke to Moses face to face. You ever like those teachers when you're going over stuff and they tell you, hey, that's important. You know that's going to be on a test. You're welcome. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. How many wants God to do that to you? That sounds pretty cool. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that it is truly life to those who find it and health to all of our flesh and I just thank you that your words are truly spirit and they are life. And so, Holy Spirit, I welcome you to come and teach us. Teach us the word. Whatever you have for us, God, we want to hear. So we just come against any, uh, any lies of the enemy, and I pray for the truth to abound. Lord, that we will know the truth and the truth will make us free. So God, demonstrate, bring demonstration power to the word today that not just be enticing words, of man's wisdom, but it be demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit so that our faith will be in you and not in man. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. All right, we're talking about meeting with God. So look here in verse 7. This is where the Israelites had come out of Egypt. They come out of bondage in Egypt, and they're roaming in the wilderness, and they come to this place, and Moses took his tent, pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the Tabernacle of Meeting. We talked about this a little bit. Remember the word tabernacle there means a dwelling place or habitation. Literally a dwelling place or habitation. So Moses separates a tent, a different one from all the others, and he said this one's going to be called a dwelling place or a habitation. In Exodus 25, God was speaking and he's told them in verse 8, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Notice what he says. Let them make me a sanctuary, not let them make them a sanctuary. 
You catch that? God is speaking, and he says, let them make me a sanctuary. Who is the sanctuary for? It's for God. It wasn't for the people. It was for him. Originally, this is what he said. He said, Let's make, let them make me a sanctuary that I may do what? I may, I may dwell. So what did God want to do in that sanctuary? He wanted to dwell there. He wanted to come hang out with them. He wanted to come abide with them. He's like, make me a place that I can come be with them. Do you hear the heart of God? He wants to be with you. He wants to dwell with you. He wants to abide with you. He's not way up there sitting in a big chair looking down on you with a frown and constant disappointment. Stop. That's not the way it works. He wants to be with you. He wants to dwell with you. And so now look what happens. In verse 9 of that same chapter 25, I want to come and dwell with them. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all of its furnishings, just so you shall make it. How did he want them to make the tabernacle? According to a pattern that he would show. So God wanted to make... Let's say, use the word church. Maybe the word tabernacle throws this off. God said, make me a church, and I'm going to show you the pattern on how I want it ran. I'm going to give you the pattern on how I want church to go. Who's the pattern supposed to go according, or which pattern is supposed to go according to, God's or ours? God's. So he's saying there in, the, in, that, in that model, he's saying, I want you to go by the pattern. I'm going to show you how to work the furnishings, everything. It's my sanctuary, and it's my pattern. It's not the people's, and it's not their pattern. I'm just trying to address some things. We've made church so much about us that we really don't even need God to show up. We really don't even need him to come. We can, we've got church down so well, a well-oiled machine, that we will, wait, God, we handle, we'll take care of this. We'll sing about you. We'll talk about you. We don't even need to bother you. I know you've got a lot going on up there and lots of big things to do. We'll take care of church. Just a thought. So the purpose of this structure was to be a dwelling place or a habitation for the presence of God. It always has been and always will be. God wants to dwell with you. Look, let's give a New Testament example. Example: Ephesians chapter 2. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, talking about the body of Christ, not just a physical building now, whom the whole building being fit together grows into a holy, holy temple in the Lord, in whom, next, next words are important, you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So what are you and I being built for? Human beings, you are being built as a dwelling place. You're a temple, you're a walking tabernacle of God. He is, his desire is to dwell in you. He wants to hang out with you. He wants to abide with you. 
not just in this physical building, and we want that, we desire that, we, we're praying for this to be a familiar habitation for the presence of God. We want this to be a place that he knows so well that he just is welcome and he comes and abides here and his presence is a priority for us. But I don't want you to leave it here. I want you to know that he wants to dwell with you wherever you go. At your shower, at your school, at your job, at your office, don't leave him here. I'm praying, we're preparing for him to always come here. But don't leave him here. Take him with you. Take him on the job. Take him wherever you are. He wants to abide with you. So he called this place a tabernacle of meeting. And remember the word meeting means not only a fixed particular time and place, but also a purpose designated by an authority. So the word tabernacle of meeting means a dwelling place or habitation where the purpose of the gathering is determined by an authority. So the purpose of our gathering church is determined by an authority, and that authority is not me. The purpose of our gathering is determined by the authority, which is Jesus. So why do we gather? We gather around his pattern and his model and what he wants to do. We're trying to make it so little about us and so much about him that we just relearn what it means to do church. I'm just trying to relearn. I'm trying to be open and say, God, I want to, I want to, I pulled into the parking lot this morning early and I just looked at the church and I said, Lord, build your church. Build your church the way you want it built. Everything is up to you. Let's take it down to the studs if we need to. Get rid of the studs. Burn the studs. Bring up new studs. It doesn't matter. Build it the way you want it. And because uh, we just want to yield to what he wants to do and how he wants to do it. So he's always wanted to dwell with us. So let's look at the next part. So they called it a tabernacle meeting, and it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. Notice what it says. Everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting. Notice what it does not say. Everyone went to the tabernacle of meeting. It says, everyone who sought the Lord went to the tabernacle of meeting. It's important how we phrase it. It's important how we emphasize it. It doesn't say, hey, everybody went to the tabernacle and sought the Lord. It says, everyone who sought the Lord went to the tabernacle. So it tells me not everybody went to the tabernacle of meeting. The only people that went there were the people that are seeking the Lord. Why would they go there then? Because they know that's where he is. Because again, keep this in mind, in the Old Testament times, God's presence only showed up at the tabernacle. He didn't indwell us in bodily form yet. The Holy Spirit hadn't come. So the presence of God only came into the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle of meeting. So if you wanted to experience the presence of God, you had to go where he was. So they went to the tabernacle because they wanted to be with him. Notice it doesn't say that they, those who wanted to hang out with their friends went to the tabernacle. It says those who sought the Lord went to the tabernacle. Why are we coming to the tabernacle is my point. Are we coming to seek the Lord or are we coming to check a box? Are we coming just to see friends and hang out or are we coming to seek the Lord? It made me think of a question this week when I read that and I was kind of Focusing on that, I'm like, okay, so what is the difference between going to church 
and seeking the Lord. Is there a difference? I think there's a difference. I have some thoughts for you. What's the difference between just attending church and seeking the Lord at church? I believe going to church, your focus is primarily going to be on three things. If, you're, if our focus is just going to church, it's, prob- it's primarily going to be on the people. It will be on performance and it will be on preferences. You will care about the people more than anything else. You'll care about their performance, how good things are, and you'll care about your preferences on what you like and what you don't like on whether it was a good Sunday. Ooh, I didn't like any of those songs. Worship was terrible today. Oh, worship was awful. Oh, I don't like those songs. That's preference. It has nothing to do with the presence of God. Nothing. How cold was it in there today? Oh, it's freezing. I couldn't even concentrate. It was so cold. Or can you believe they were there? I saw them sitting on those. I can't believe they're here. I'm getting too close to home. I've done gone to Medlin, they say. I'm trying to worship, and I can't even believe they're in the building. That's people focus. But if you seek the Lord, those who seek the Lord go to the tabernacle. The people who seek the Lord, they don't have three. They have one. It's another P. It's called presence. All they care about is the presence of God. I can't, I can't even tell you who was there. I don't even like that song, but it doesn't matter. I've told our worship team for years that we sing songs sometimes that I don't, I don't really care. Not as much anymore as we used to, but, and that's not, I shouldn't say that. Never mind. Because <laughs> that has nothing to do with who leads or who picks the songs. I don't want that to be a thing. Sorry. Something's keeping your head. But there's still some songs we sing, and I'm like, you know, that's not my thing. It's not my, but he's still my thing. And my goal always for them to never know which songs I didn't like. Because I'm not going to be one of the, oh. Oh, that's one he doesn't like. Let's don't do that one. I want it to be like you can't even tell. That I'm so worshiping him that they don't know. I may love them all. As far as they're concerned, I do because I love him all. So if we're presence-focused and we come to seek the Lord, then I'm not paying attention. I'm not standing up here and turning around going, well, who's here? Oh, well, they're here. I can't believe that. I'm just, now I realize if you're in the back and you see people, then maybe a little opportunity for distraction. But what I'm showing the difference about going to church versus seeking the Lord, when we focus on his presence, nothing else will matter. And he's the only one can fulfill that need. Let me say it this way. If, if people or performance or preference are my focus, people will meet those needs. But when presence is my focus, only one person can meet that need. So everyone else, I'm trying to get past that. I'm trying to get past it. I'm like the woman with the issue of blood. I'm trying to make my way through the crowd because there's only one that if I just touch him, then worship was amazing today. Church was amazing today. Oh, if I can just get to him, it doesn't matter who I had to get through in the foyer, in the cafe, or whatever. If I just get to him. Mm. This is why our focus has to be him. So if we seek him, if we're people that will seek the Lord, we will find him. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, but 
From there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. So when you come to church, what are you seeking? And I believe God's making this move. I believe God's making this change in the church uh, universal, those who are willing, those who are open to it, for us to go to a place of being so presence-focused that we're not performance-focused, we're not based on anything else, that we're truly coming just to seek him. And that's my prayer, that we collectively, all of us, whether we've been in it for just a couple weeks or we've been in it for 40 years, that we'll all come with the same passion, I'm just here for Jesus. I'm just here for Jesus. And when we have that one collective heart, the Bible says you will find him. It doesn't matter whether they sang this song or that song or whether they did this or didn't do that. If you seek him, you will find him. Say this all the time. If you're seeking offense, you will not have to look very hard to find it. Offenses abound in the church. My Lord Jesus. I have opportunity to be offended every single week. If we're, what we're seeking, we will find. If we're seeking distraction, we'll find it. If we're seeking issues, we'll find them. But if we're seeking him, the Bible says we will find him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, so look at verse 8. Let's go on. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. I know we're a different dispensation and God dwells in us bodily now and he's not just, but man, I'm still, I'm still liking the idea of man, a cloud just coming and settling upon our building, settling upon the campus in Mount Carmel and in Carlinville. Lord Jesus, we just want your presence. So a cloud descended and stood at the door in the tab, uh, of the tabernacle and the Lord, catch this next part, and the Lord talked with Moses. He talked. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. Let's stop there for a second. So when the cloud came and, and Moses went in, the Lord talked with Moses. People saw the pillar of cloud at the tabernacle door, and all the people did what? They rose, and then they did what? They worshipped. They worshipped. They worshipped. All the people rose and they worshiped, each at his or her, we could say, tent door. What am I saying? Moses is at the tabernacle. Moses is at the church. The presence of God's at the church. I'm at my tent door. My tent represents my house. When Moses went in, they were at their house. And what did they do when the presence of God came? They rose and worshiped. At their tent door. What am I saying? Worship is not just for the church. Are we worshiping at our tent door or only worshiping when we come in those doors? Is worship something that happens at my tent door or is it only happening at the tabernacle? Is it only happening at the church service? Is it only happening here? Am I worshiping him on any other day than Sunday? If we come and 
hang out at your house, put a tape recorder in your house. We don't do that, but I'm saying if we did. (laughs) Would we witness or see worship at all in your home any time of the week? No accusations, just questions. Because I think the problem too much is that we're only worshiping when we come in these doors and we need more worship at our tent door. Because the problem is when we come in here, we're not ready. So we got to pump up. Get you maybe by the third song. Okay, I'm ready. I'm, I'm in line with my God part of my life. I got my God gears working again. Oh, yeah, worship music, Jesus music. If this is the only time of the week that you hear Christian songs, may want to check some things out. If it's only secular music except in here, where's the worship at your tent door? Do you have to have music? No, but I'm saying there has to be some kind of worship at our tent door so that we come in here. If we just pretend to play a note, you're ready because you've been worshiping him all week long. You're like bringing in your own tent, setting it up and say, I'll worship right here. We need more worship at our tent doors. We we thought we'll bring our kids here give them Jesus, and that 90 minutes is supposed to cover up if if this place is the only opportunity for our kids to get Jesus, we are losing the battle. It's at our tent door that we're worshiping, we're training, we're giving them the opportunity, we're talking to them, we're preaching to them, we're reading with them, we're pouring Jesus into them. At our tent door, let there be worship in our homes. What happened during COVID? Shut down. Then what happened? Then where was the worship? When you couldn't come here, what if... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they worshiped. You know what the word worship means? The word worship means to bow oneself down to a deity, to honor, submit. You know worship is not a genre of music. (laughs) Worship is not a slow song. Worship is not even this. Worship comes from right here. Because he says, he said they worship at their tent door. And then I read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that he says that this earthly tent, our dwelling place. So our body's called our tent. And then Revelation 3.20 says that he, behold, I stand at the door and knock and knock. What door is he knocking on? He's knocking on the door of your heart. So when he says worship at his tent door, he says, I want you worshiping from your tent door, from your heart, worshiping him in spirit and in truth. So when you come into church, you're giving him from your heart. You're not just singing songs. God's wanting more than just a song. He's wanting to worship to be something bigger than that. I've got some lyrics here that I want to read quickly. It says, clear the stage and set the sound and lights ablaze. 
if that's the measure you must take to crush the idols. Jerk the pews and all the decorations too until the congregation's few then have revival. Tell your friends that this is where the party ends until you're broken for your sins. You can't be social. Then seek the Lord and wait for what he has in store and know that great is your reward. So just be hopeful because you can sing all you want to. Yes, you can sing all you want to. You can sing all you want to and still get it wrong. Oh, worship is more than a song. Take a break from all the plans that you have made and sit at home alone and wait for God to whisper. Beg him, please, to open his mouth and speak and pray for real upon your knees until they blister. Shine the light on every corner of your life until the pride and lust and lies are in the open. Then read the word and put to test the things you've heard until your heart and soul are stirred and rocked and broken because you can sing all you want. Yes, you can sing all you want and still get it wrong. Worship is more than a song. We must not worship something that's not even worth it. Clear the stage. Make some space for the one who deserves it. Anything I put before my God is an idol. Anything I want with all my heart is an idol. Anything I can't stop thinking of is an idol. Anything that I give all my love to is an idol. Because I can sing all I want. I can sing all I want and still get it wrong. Worship is more than a song. When we worship him in spirit and truth, it becomes more than just singing songs to him. It becomes something from your heart. No one else can worship for you, but they can worship with you. Someone could say, and I'm I'm saying this just to help people. People can say, oh, man, we had a great worship service. And you say you were in a worship service and still never worship yourself. Well, I sang. Great. Worship is more than a song. Yes. Worship is more than a song. Let's go and look what he says. So he, everyone worshiped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses. Everybody say spoke to Moses. The Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. This is what I want to talk about. And Blake didn't know that I was speaking about this when he used his scripture to start off the service about how God wants to speak to people. Do we believe that God wants to talk with us? In verse 9, it says the Lord talked with Moses. In verse 10, it says the Lord spoke to Moses. So God was speaking to them. From the very beginning, we read this, and I don't have time to go to it now, but in Exodus chapter 19, I do have a little bit of time. Go to Exodus chapter 19. Well, I'm going to say I'm going to take a little bit of time. What I have and what I take are two different things. Exodus chapter 19, verse 4. Because I want you to see this in your Bible. Because I believe God's wanting to crush the lies that he will not speak to you. He's wanting to crush that lie in your life. He wants to speak to you. Look at night. We're going to have to go quickly, though. Turn faster than that. Exodus 19, verse 4. (laughs) It says, you have seen what I did. This is God talking. You've seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. What did he bring them to? He didn't bring them to a building. He didn't bring them to an organization. He didn't bring them to a structure. He brought them to himself. God wants you to come to him. Why are we here? What's our vision? To connect people with Jesus from all roads of life. It's not, hey, come and think our church is the best. Come and think our church is better than theirs. No, come and connect with Jesus from whatever road of life you're on. 
connect to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, how can we obey his voice if he doesn't speak to us? And keep my covenant, then you shall be special treasure to me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be a, uh, to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Go to verse 16. Same chapter. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was, ver was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to, what's the next words? Meet with God. I'm reading out my version. Meet with God. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. Does God want to meet with you? Yes. yes. He doesn't want you, you just have thoughts about him. He wants to meet with you. Personally, he wants to meet with you. Individually, he wants to talk with you. He wants to speak with you. You are one in over 7 billion people on the planet, and he knows every detail about your life. He knows what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're going through. He knows it all right now in this season of your life, and he cares. He wants to talk to you about it. He wants to speak with you about it. He wants to meet with you. He wants to set up a meeting. And they stood at the front of the mountain. Verse 18, now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of the furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. So the Lord came down on the mountain. Now go to chapter 20. Look at verse 18. Just laying your groundwork. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us. You speak with us, Moses, and we will hear. But let not God hear these words, people. Let not God speak with us lest we die. These people said out loud, don't let God talk to me. It will kill me. If God speaks to me, I will die. Where did that thought come from? Did that come from God? Did God say, hey, tell them if they speak with me, I'll kill them? <laughs> he didn't say that. So if he didn't say that, where did it come from? It came from the enemy. It came from the devil. So the enemy is trying to convince us that God doesn't want to speak to us, or if he'll speak to us, it will cause us harm. So they had a negative connotation of the voice of God. They associated the voice of God with negativity. Do you see that? The same thing happens today. We're still connecting the voice of God with negative. Notice what happened. Adam and Eve, after they sinned, what happened? Adam said, you know, God goes to, Adam, where are you? Playing hide and seek in the garden. I don't know how you play hide-and-seek with God. But he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam hid himself. And he says, what's going on, Adam? He said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I hid because I was afraid. I heard the voice of God, and I was afraid. People are convinced if they hear the voice of God, it's not going to be good. It's not going to go good. So why would people not want to hear from God? I've got some questions for you as we ponder this for just a moment. 
How many people in the church are satisfied still today with hearing from Moses instead of just having God speak to them directly? How many people are willing to come and hear a sermon, but they won't go after the voice of God for their own life? Just questions again. How many people assume that they're going to be in trouble if God speaks to them? Why would we not want God to speak to us about certain areas of our lives? Is it because we believe we know what we want and what is best for our own lives? Is it because he may say no to something that we really want or he'll say yes to something that we really don't want? Do we really believe that what God wants for us is best? I know these are rhetorical questions and I'm not making any accusations. I'm just throwing things out for food for thought because here's what I'm thinking. Here's what God's challenging me. If you really think what I want for you is the best, why aren't you praying? If we all believe, because we all got questions, right? We all got things that need answers. We all got problems. We all got things, decisions we need to make. Mount Carmel, North City's like crickets here. So do you, do you guys have issues there? You got things going on? Carlinville, help a brother out. I mean, we've all got decisions, right? We've got things we've got to make clear. We need clarification on scenarios. Well, if we do, why are we not praying more? Why are we not at every prayer meeting seeking the direction of God? Why, why are we not praying more at home when we have a situation? Why are we spending more time on social media than asking the Lord, why do we think and think and think and think about our problems instead of pray about it? Well, I don't know. I've, I've just been up all week this week. I haven't slept hardly at all this week trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. Trying to figure out, have we prayed? Well, you know, I don't really have a lot of time to pray. All the time you're awake thinking, try praying. Let's stop thinking and trying to figure out what we're supposed to do and just ask God. Is it because we believe that his answer will be a negative or will be something we don't want? Lord, what am I supposed to do with my life? I'm not asking him or I'll be going to a mission field somewhere. <laughs> Why do we assume that what he wants for us is not what's best for us? Why do we assume that we know best? Do we really know best? Do we really have the full picture perspective of our life? Gosh, maybe you do. I don't. There's times that I am 100% certain of something until 30 minutes later. And I'm like, whoa, I missed that one. I had, a, I had a perspective on something. I had a perspective on a situation. And I thought this is exactly the way it was. And then I talked to someone and they told me something different. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't believe that anymore. But I, if you'd asked me 30 minutes earlier, I was convinced that was a reality. God sits above time. He sits above everything. And he knows the end from the beginning. It's like imagine, if you will, a parade. You know, like a, like a long parade, like the Rose Bowl parade or something. And you know how you can go up high enough and you can see the beginning of the parade and the ending of the parade all at the same time? 
and you can see everything in between. That's not a perfect example, but it maybe gives you a glimpse of what it's like for God sitting outside of time. He sees your life from beginning to end and everything in between. So why wouldn't we want to pray to him and ask him what I should do? Why would we not ask him, say, Lord, is this boyfriend or girlfriend the one that you want me to marry? Why do we not ask that? Because we're afraid he'll tell us no if we really want him. Lord, should I take this job opportunity? It's more money? Yes, the Lord says yes. The Lord said yes. It's got great benefits. A lot of perks, a lot of bennies. Do we pray? What if, what if the benefits and the pay is really great? It's a lot more. But God sees the end of the parade. And he sees something coming that you don't see. And he says, I know the money's alluring, but don't take that now. Because just ahead, if you'll stay on this course, something's coming that's going to be better than that. I don't know what it is for you. I'm just telling you. I don't know what it is for me sometimes, but I'm just trying to pray and to seek God. Because God wants to talk to us. But instead, we're worrying and stewing and worrying and stewing and worrying and stewing. And he says in Philippians, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, by prayer, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. How are we supposed to figure out what we're supposed to do with our life? On our knees. Praying. I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. I pray. You don't understand. I pray. Keep praying. I prayed. I prayed all week long. I still don't know what to do. Well, keep praying. I mean, that's what I've had to do. I've done the times I don't know what to do. There's times I, I'm, there's things right now that I've been praying about for 15 years and I still don't have the answer. I'm assuming the problem's not on his end. I'm assuming it's on mine. So he talked with Moses. So he, let me ask you this as we Get ready to minister. What if we trusted that what God says about the job, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, every decision in our life was the right answer? What if we truly believe that the words that he speaks, John 6.63, what if we truly believe that God's words are spirit and they are life? What if we truly believe, Proverbs 4.20, that the words, he said, pay attention to my words, son, because they are life to those who find them. What if we truly believe that God gave us his word to have all things that pertain to life and godliness? Everything we need, God has an answer for. Should we get married? Here's what we we do. Here's what we do. We just go with it and then we ask God to bless it. We're just going to get married and pray God bless us. And then we're visiting you six months for marriage counseling three years for marriage counseling because we didn't pray we knew we went to that school we went to that job we went to that whatever again I'm not trying to I'm just trying to give you examples on how to apply it so I feel like God wants to speak to us I want to break the lie that God doesn't want to speak but we've got to pray we've got to ask so let's stop asking everybody before we ask God Is there wisdom in a multitude of counsel? Absolutely, there is. I'm all for that. But we should be praying more than we should be worrying. 
I should be praying more than I'm asking on Facebook. I should be praying more than I'm going to other people and say, what do you think I ought to do? What do you think I ought to do? If I led the church based on what everybody thinks I should do, let's just say I would have options. I would have options. Lots of options. I've got to pray. Because you may be right on how you think it ought to be done, but you may not be. I may be right, I may not be. That person at work that tells you, i tell you what I'd do if I was you, I'd take that job. They offer me that kind of money, I'd take it guaranteed. Why do I talk like that when I'm just... <laughs> how do I do that? Shanika, I've got... I go into some kind of hick voice every time I do. <laughs> Why did they do that there? You got to take that job. But you know what I'm saying? Those people that know exactly what everybody needs to do and their life's a mess. Be careful who you take advice from. Be careful. There's a lot of people that guaranteed me what I should do and I can't find them anymore. I don't know where they are. But they knew, hey, Chad, I'll tell you what, this is what we need to do. This, we will go somewhere. We need to do this. So you got people at work telling you, hey, you need to take that job, take that job. Everybody around you, take that job, take that job. That's what you need to do, take that job, take that job. You go and pray. Lord, do you think I should take that job? No. All of them versus God, who wins? That's a question, that's not an answer. All of God, all of these people's opinion versus God. What if God says yes and everyone else says no? Are you kidding? That's going to be a demotion for you. You can't take that job. You can't go there. You can't marry them or you can't do You can't do those things. That doesn't make any sense. God says, take it. He says, do it. I'm leading you. I'm with you. Because if God is with you, who, 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 who could be against you? If God's in it, then man, I'm sorry. God bless you. Love you, but I got to stick with him. Right? I, I got to be the one who sees the end of the parade. I can't see it from here. I'm a little short compared to him. And he sees the end. So when he says, Chad, I want you to lay it all down and do something else. Uh, yes, sir. I want you to get out of that relationship right now. It's not going to end well for you. Yes, sir. I want you to move out because I don't want you living with them. I want you living in righteousness. Break it off and follow me. When you start getting specifics, people get quiet. As long as it's general about other people. But here's what I want to encourage us with today as we close. God wants to speak with you. Mount Carmel, God's wanting to speak with you. Are we praying? Are we asking? Are you at prayer meetings at Mount Carmel at Carlinville? Are you at prayer meetings here? Well, I don't have to pray at the church. I can pray at home. Absolutely you can. I'm just saying use every opportunity to seek God. There's a tabernacle of meeting and there's your tent door. Both of them should be filled with worship. We should be worshiping at our tent door. Worship going on. Praise music going on at our tent door. 
It can't be worship at church and funky cold Medina when I'm at home. Out in Jesus' name. Get out. Where does this come from? In the name of Jesus. Come on. In first service, I used Hank Williams Jr. And I, that's, so I don't know what I got going on. Pray for your pastor, please. I don't know how you come out of that, but we're going to do it. We're going to come back spiritual. Thank you, Jesus. So if you would, let's stand to our feet. Let's try that transition but stay with me don't don't exit yet stay with us Mount Carmel Carlinville thank you Holy Spirit here's what I felt there are people that are convinced that God doesn't want to speak to them that he's not speaking to them that he doesn't have an answer for something so so trivial so small or I've been praying for a long time and I haven't heard a thing so now here's what can happen here's what can happen be careful when we pray for a long time and we don't hear anything, offense is knocking at the door. And it's saying to you and me, he's never going to answer you. Stop praying. That's what he's doing. He's trying to break relationship. That's his goal, is to cut off relationship with us and God. So here's what I'm going to pray. Just bow your heads with me. I want to break the lie in the spirit that God does not want to speak to you, that you can't hear from him, you can. The Bible says his sheep, if you are born again, follower of Jesus, he says, my sheep know my voice. They will not follow the voice of another. God is speaking. We just have to tune our ear. How do we tune our ear? Is that we give him our attention at our own tent door as much as we do at the tabernacle? Are we putting ourselves in a position to hear him on Monday through Saturday? Are we giving ourselves times of worship at home with our family? Are we praying at home before we go to bed saying, Lord, before I close my eyes tonight, I thank you for the wisdom on this decision that you're pouring into me. That even as I sleep, I'm going to have thoughts and dreams and clarity, Lord, on what I'm supposed to do. I praise you, Lord, that you are speaking to me even as I sleep. So in the name of Jesus Christ, I break every demonic lie over our lives that says that we cannot hear from God. The Lord, you are speaking. Your voice is coming out loud across the airwaves. You are declaring truth to us. You want to dwell with us. You want to be with us. And so I pray over every heart watching or listening in Jesus' name that they will hear your voice. Lord, I pray that we will seek your face and that we will find you when we search for you with all of our heart. Something you're needing clarity on, something you're needing to make a decision on, right now, number one, I want you to guard. Clarity of thought is always skewed by offense. Been in this a long time. I'm going to drop some hopeful wisdom for you if you'll receive it. 
clarity of perspective is skewed by offense. If I am offended in any way, shape, or form, right and wrong is now subject to being skewed. Jesus said, do not embrace. It's impossible that offenses will not come, but woe to the one who causes the offense. So he's saying, don't give offense and don't fall for offense. That's number one. Number two, give yourself opportunity to hear from God. So right now, whatever you're needing a decision to be based on, now that you've checked yourself, and you may have to check yourself further about the offense part, but now you begin to say, Lord, I submit this decision to you. I've been worrying about it. I've been stewing about it. I've been talking about it, but I have not been praying. Many times our Christianese phrase, I've been praying about it, means we've been talking to people about it. We've been talking to everybody far and wide, but we haven't knelt on our knees and prayed for 10 minutes, but we're telling everybody, well, I'm just praying about this decision. Let's get rid of the Christianese and let's really give our heart to prayer. You can hear his voice. I want to encourage you. He want, he's talking to you. He's already talking to you. So we break that off of your life. Now lastly, I want you to submit to the lordship of his decision. This is the tough one. That whatever he says goes. Whatever he says goes. Maybe a job, maybe a boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe a relationship, maybe whatever. I'm not trying to cover every possible scenario. You know how to apply it. The Holy Spirit can apply it to you. I have, I have so many examples I could give of myself, but I don't want to make it about me. I want to make it about what God's wanting to do in your life, that his answer has to be final authority. Submit to it. If it hurts or if it makes you do cartwheels, it doesn't matter. His word rules. If it causes you to cry and say, no, Lord, no, Lord, no, Lord, nevertheless, at your will, Jesus said, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup of suffering from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's our prayer model. That's our prayer model. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.